Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Love and You Learn podcast. So excited for today's conversation. And today's conversation was actually inspired by something that I recently posted to TikTok and Instagram. So I created a video talking about something called perfect moment syndrome, which was coined by Sarah Wilson in her book, First We Make the Beast Beautiful. It's a really great book about anxiety and how, you know, we can think of anxiety as this beast that needs to be tamed. But if we can actually shift our relationship to anxiety and make it a little bit more of a beautiful beast then that can really affect how we're showing up towards our anxiety. So that's a little bit more about like where this was inspired from. But she coined this phrase perfect moment syndrome. And I'll talk more about what that means later in the episode. But essentially, to summarize it, it's thinking that your vacation needs to be perfect, that your date night needs to be perfect, that this moment that you've kind of put out there needs to be exactly how you think it should be. And in this video, I talked about how this can affect our relationships, right? Because when we have the bar set so high, or at least in my experience and many others, we can end up feeling like our experience is not what it quote, quote, should have been or not what it was meant to be like. And this can really affect how we appreciate our life or our relationship or our partner. And I had a lot of people resonating with this message. So it was a very popular video on my TikTok page and on my Instagram. And people were saying, I deal with this. Oh my gosh, it can be so exhausting. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I dealt with this on the day I got engaged. Um, Someone said perfect moment syndrome made my anxiety spiral out of control. Someone said, yep, I deal with this every day. I often don't let good moments be good because I expected them to be different. And then In addition to people resonating with this perfect moment syndrome or perfectionism and how it shows up in our relationships, I also got a lot of follow-up questions. So things like, what do I do to reel myself back in from feeling this way? Or how do you combat perfect moment syndrome? And then someone had the brilliant idea, maybe you could do a podcast episode about it and what to do about this. So after posting this and the response it got, it really got me thinking about how I'm overdue for talking about perfectionism in a podcast episode and how it shows up and affects our relationships and how it can really infiltrate our relationships. And I know firsthand again, like how much this has affected me. And I think perfectionism was actually one of the biggest factors that led to my relationship anxiety and same with a lot of my clients. So I wanted to address perfectionism, perfect moment syndrome and our expectations and how our expectations can play into our relationships and affect all of this. So let's start off by defining what perfectionism is and perfectionism is not. So I really have enjoyed a particular book by Brene Brown. I think it was maybe one of her first books called The Gifts of Imperfection. I read it a long time ago. I'm probably going to read it again at some point because there's a lot of great insight in there. 
And in the book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown shares some of the things that perfectionism is not. Because I think it's important to understand these things. Sometimes we think that perfectionism is like, oh, well, I'm just like being my best self and I'm improving. But she shares that that is actually the opposite of what perfectionism is. So perfectionism is not striving to be your best. It's not about self-improvement. And perfectionism, this is a really key part, is not about what you think of yourself or building a stronger relationship to yourself. So what is perfectionism then? She shares that perfectionism is trying to act and look perfect. So keywords act and look perfect. It's like putting on this mask almost. It's trying to earn the approval and the acceptance of people. And thus, it is more about what other people think of you, which can then affect how you think of yourself. So basically, like you are looking at yourself and your situation through the lens of what other people might be thinking, which is such a common part of the work that I'm doing with my clients is like, how are people perceiving my relationship and my life? And is it good enough? Is it worthy? Is it measuring up? So I find these definitions really interesting because when we're experiencing relationship anxiety, we often think like we are the one that is judging our partner harshly or like we are the one that's not so sure. But like I just said, if we're actually looking at our partner or our relationship from not only our perspective, but from the perspective of what do my friends think? What do my parents think? What do the invisible faces of the world think about this person in this relationship? Then it means that we're essentially saying like, I want my relationship to be good enough and that it's right enough for others. So think about that and think about if this feels true for you as you're listening to this, like if you resonate with that, because it's really important to first acknowledge that that's what's happening in order to shift. Here's a little bit more about perfectionism from Brene Brown. She has a lot of great quotes that make you just really stop and think about perfectionism. So I'm just going to read some things from my notes here because I don't want to misquote her. She shares that perfectionism is self-destructive simply because there is no such thing as perfect. Perfection is an unattainable goal. Additionally, perfectionism is much more about perception. We want to be perceived as perfect. Again, this is unattainable. There is no way to control perception, regardless of how much time and energy we spend trying. And I love this because it's essentially saying like we're striving for something that is actually like you can't hit that benchmark. And no matter how hard you try to get someone to like you or to think that you're doing well, you don't actually know exactly what they're thinking and feeling. And so we end up just like trying to tire ourselves out, like doing all the right things, saying all the right things. And it's not attainable. It's not attainable. So just remembering that. Second, Brene Brown shares that perfectionism is addictive because when we invariably do experience shame, judgment, and blame, we believe it's because we weren't perfect enough. So I'll say that again. If we experience shame, judgment, or blame, we often believe it's because we weren't perfect enough. So then she goes on to say, rather than questioning the faulty logic of perfectionism, which tells us that we should have been more perfect, we become even more entrenched in our quest to live, look, and do everything just right. So if something negative happens and we feel like someone else is judging us or we didn't live up to expectations, 
then the story we're telling ourselves in those moments is that if I was just more perfect, then everything would have worked out. Or if, yeah, if I had just done this right, then this thing wouldn't be happening right now. And it ends up being this just perpetual negative cycle of feeling like we can't ever win. So basically her message is like, instead of just continuing that cycle of like, I need to be more perfect, I need to be more perfect. It's more of like, hmm, where can I maybe question and poke holes in the belief that says I have to be perfect? That's kind of the takeaway there. And then lastly, she shares that feeling shamed, judged, and blamed, and the fear of these feelings are all realities of the human experience. Perfectionism usually increases the odds that we will experience these painful emotions and often leads to self-blame. It's my fault I'm feeling this way because I'm not good enough. So again, just my interpretation of what she's saying is like, shame, blame, judgment, those things are part of the human experience. And instead of feeling like those things are because we are at fault or that we're not good enough, perfectionism is like going to, first of all, make those feelings come up more of like, I'm not good enough or it's my fault. But instead of leaning into that, we have the choice to be like, no, I think that my expectations of myself are too high in this situation. So that is setting the stage a little bit of perfectionism for the rest of our chat. I also did want to define perfect moment syndrome more fully. This is the quote that inspired this podcast episode in the initial post that I made on social media, which is that perfect moment syndrome afflicts those of us who think life should operate in a certain way and to certain ratios. Birthdays are always happy. A week in Thailand is meant to be relaxing. A long-awaited date with your partner at a special restaurant will bring you closer together. And ultimately, when we have such specific and tangible expectations for how something needs to look, what I'll get into next is that that can be unintentionally, of course, something that can really affect how we are able to enjoy that moment or how much disappointment we might feel in that moment. And I'm not here to say that we have zero expectations for our life, but I'm going to elaborate here in a second of why I think that sometimes our expectations are really setting us up for a little bit of failure here which leads perfectly into kind of the next thing I want to talk about, which is how our expectations play into the heart of this. So how our expectations affect perfect moment syndrome, how our expectations can lead into perfectionism, and how basically all three of these things are connected and then affect the way that we either enjoy or do not enjoy our life or our relationship. So there were some responses to this video that I posted where people saw it and said, but why shouldn't my birthday be happy? Or, but I want my vacation to be relaxing. Is that wrong? Essentially, what they were asking is like, are you saying that we need to get rid of or lower any expectations and just have the bar so low and think the worst will happen? And the answer to that is no. So I am not a pessimist. That's something um, to know about me, even though that I experience anxiety and maybe you would think like I'm always scared. I'm not a pessimist and I actually do believe that things can work out. I believe that relationships can work out. I believe that there are many things that can work out in like your career and your friendships. Like I believe that things absolutely can work out for us and not everything is just doomsday all the time. Though, of course, my anxiety sometimes likes to tell me that. But I do think here there's a big difference between expecting the worst to happen and releasing expectations or being more loose with your expectations. So 
that's a big distinction here is it's not that you go from expecting the highest to then expecting the worst. It's that you try to step back, if you will. It's like that meme of Homer Simpson, like fading into the bush and just kind of like fading back away. You just fade a little bit of the expectations out into the background. Like you don't have such strict expectations for better or worse of how something is going to play out. And here's what I mean when I'm talking about this, because here's what I've come to realize about expectations is that expectations can be kind of hard and they can be kind of a slippery slope for a couple reasons. Because if something does not go how we expect it to go, then that, of course, inevitably leads to us feeling disappointed. But then here's the weird kind of like counterintuitive backwards thing about it is that if something does go according to the plan or according to how we expect it to go, then usually that's also equally underwhelming. It's like, okay, that's how that quote, quote, should have gone anyway. No big deal, right? So expectations are in some ways a lose-lose. It's like if it goes according to plan, you're kind of just underwhelmed. And if it goes worse than you had planned or expected, then you also feel not only underwhelmed, but disappointed. So here's my take on this. I believe that where the magic comes in and where the sweet spot is, is if we don't try to imagine exactly how something will be at all and instead leave room for whatever unfolds. Now, this is hard. This is a practice. I'm still working on this, but I know that I've come a long way because I feel like there's so many times where I've seen myself thinking that something had to look a certain way and it didn't. And I realized that I kind of ruined the own thing for myself instead of just being open to like whatever happens, happens. And I've always had the like memories of certain events, right? Where you look back and you're like, oh, I had no idea what this would be like. And then you end up having like the best time or maybe you like have a spontaneous day on a vacation where you don't have any plans and you stumble into certain things or at the last minute you decide to go to something, you have no idea what to expect and it ends up being amazing. Like I think we all have examples of that where we've been surprised and delighted. And often when I reflect back on those experiences, it's because I haven't put the bar at this impossibly high standard and I didn't even necessarily have a bar that I was trying to reach. So how this would apply to our relationships, for example, is like it doesn't mean that you just don't have any needs or desires in your relationship. It doesn't mean that you are like accepting negative treatment. Forever and always, this podcast does not apply to an unsafe relationship where you feel like you are intentionally being hurt by somebody. That is not what I'm saying here. But when we have such strict and rigid expectations of like, this is exactly how my relationship needs to feel and look, and this is the exact type of partner I need to be with, then it leaves such little space for creativity and flexibility and the surprises that could come to our life. So in preparing for this episode, I drew on some wisdom from somebody that I've learned a lot about happiness from. It's someone named Mo Gada, and he has researched happiness and written books about it. And I've listened to a lot of podcast episodes where he's shared his findings. And his research on happiness shows that happiness is equal or greater than the events of your life minus your expectations of how life should be. So one more time, 
happiness is equal or greater than the events of your life minus your expectations of how life should be. And the way that I interpret this is essentially we are happier when the events pan out better than we expected, which is like, again, duh, like you kind of know this, but it's helpful to know so that we can use this to support us in our life. And then the opposite is true is like when an event pans out worse than we expected, then we are not going to be as happy. So it seems so simple. I kind of just explained all that already, but it's like that is what people who have researched happiness have found to be true. And I think so often we're just like chasing this feeling of happiness and we don't realize that like by chasing a moment needing to be happy or perfect, we may be actually doing the opposite of what we want is like pushing it farther away because the bar is so high of what something needs to look like. So some of this is repetitive, but I think it's just worth saying. It's like if we're thinking about what happiness means with Mo Gadot's equation, happiness then happens when life is, quote, quote, going our way or working out how we want it to. And then the opposite becomes true. We are more unhappy when things don't work out compared to what we hoped and expected. So like a non-relationship example would be like if we are going to an outdoor concert and we want the weather to be nice, but it rains, it's like we're going to be upset by that. But if we just go into the concert with like, let's just see how the night goes and whatever happens, happens. And it's like, all right, like there was a little bit of rain, but I can still hopefully enjoy my time. And so you can see where like these little interpretations of how an event should go can really affect us. And really, ultimately, it's not about whether it rains or not in that scenario. It's about what the expectations were around the rain or not. So it's like the rain itself is not what is making you unhappy or happy in that moment. It's about rain compared to what you expected the weather to be like on that night of the concert. So just sit with that for a second and see if that clicks with you. It's like rain is not objectively a sign of a bad time, but if you expect there to be sun and there's rain, then that is going to, of course, influence how you're feeling about it. So the same thing can happen then on a more relational level, right? So an example here could be if you expect your partner to do something nice for your birthday. Maybe you have that as a very loose definition, like, oh, I just expect my partner to do something nice for my birthday. A little bit more like general, whatever happens, happens. Then if your partner writes you a sweet card and takes you out to dinner, you will feel like your expectations were met. I hope that they do something nice for my birthday, right? Whereas if you're like, I really hope my partner brings me home a dozen roses, decorates the apartment, gets me jewelry, bakes me dinner, all of these things, and maybe not all of those things happen, then you may feel disappointed in your definition of something nice happening because your partner might have still done something nice for you, but you had very specific, this is what it has to look like for me to enjoy my birthday. So I hope those examples are kind of giving you a sense of what I mean by how expectations, perfect moment syndrome, and perfectionism can really influence how we're showing up in our relationship in life. Now, all of this said, I just want to share that expectations and perfectionism can be a coping mechanism for us to stay safe. So they can be very much a form of protection because as we evolved as humans, if we were not approved of by others, for example, or if we were in a situation and something was not what we expected it to be, then that could have been dangerous, right? So if we weren't perfect enough in the community, 
back in the hunter-gatherer days and someone was like, you're not doing your job and like, we don't need you here. Oh my gosh, that could be so dangerous, right? And then similarly, let's say you're out exploring and you expect it to just be a very peaceful walking day, going to explore, searching for food, hunter-gatherer days, right? These examples are important because it shows like why humans are the way they are. But imagine if you expected it to just be a quiet, peaceful walk searching for food. And then all of a sudden there was an attack, like a big lion or something came out of nowhere, right? That's really dangerous, right? So these ways that our body responds to like try and be safe and loved and protected, they're hardwired into us. And another way that perfectionism can show up as a protective mechanism is When we are younger, we need to rely on our parents or caretakers in order to survive. So as a young child, let's say that your parent was really adamant about you getting good grades or being a good child, doing the right thing, like being polite. You had to, in some ways, when you're that young, you have to, quote, fall in line in order to get that approval and love from your parents because it feels so dangerous if the person that's supposed to take care of you and love you does not in that moment. So sometimes unintentionally, our parents or caretakers could have shown us love in a way that felt conditional. And I'm guilty of this too sometimes. I'm not saying it's like a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of that if we had to show up in a certain way to be approved of, not only by like parents or caretakers, but at school or in communities that we had growing up, that's another way that perfectionism can kind of creep into our life and why it could be there. And same thing with expectations, like trying to assess the situation when you're young of like, oh, I expect my mom to come home at 5 p.m. from work. And then let's say she didn't come home till six. It's like, oh my gosh, am I okay? Am I safe? So just knowing that expectations, perfectionism, and then like how that shows up as perfect moment syndrome. These things are not something to judge yourself for. It's not something to be like, oh my gosh, why am I like this? I can't believe this. It's a way to just kind of understand a habit or a coping mechanism that has shown up for you or maybe a way that you respond to certain situations that isn't as helpful as you once thought it was. So just knowing this, And being extra gentle with yourself that like, I'm just trying to stay safe and I'm trying to protect myself from potential future hurt. And that's really the benefit of perfectionism. The benefit of having expectations is that when we do so, it helps us in theory stay safe. However, none of the less, despite this, there are obviously times where perfectionism or expectations are not really doing that. They're not really keeping us safe. We're already in a safe situation, but maybe our mind feels like we're at threat because it's not showing up exactly how we thought. And so even if these patterns or mechanisms are here for certain reasons, they can have unintended negative consequences. So here are some of the ways that I have personally found and the ways that my clients have found that perfectionism, perfect moment syndrome, and expectations can affect our relationships and affect our life. So the first, which I've kind of mentioned a little bit already, is being unintentionally rigid with how something needs to go in order to feel happy or satisfied. So there's going to be a much higher chance that we're going to be perpetually unsatisfied even if something goes well, but it wasn't exactly how we expected it. Just like that birthday example I gave, like 
if something still goes well, but it wasn't exactly what we thought, then there's just such a higher chance that we will be unsatisfied, even though the experience objectively could have been satisfying. Another thing specifically with relationships, not only with our intimate partner, but with everyone in our life, is that we could have relationships with people where they feel like they're showing up for us, but whatever they do, it's not good enough because the bar is so high and they're doing their absolute best and they're showing up and they're trying to love us and support us, but the bar feels like it's just never going to be met or the goalpost keeps moving. Like I did this thing that you wanted and now the bar is like, keeps moving. There's never going to be an end in sight. Another thing that's really common, um, have talked about this before on the podcast, is like this nitpicking energy instead of the energy of appreciation. So this is something that I explored in episode 30 with Ivy Miller. Um, we talked about this and like how we can nitpick and criticize our partners instead of appreciation. So definitely exploring that if it's something that resonates with you. And then a couple more here, reasons that this can affect our relationships in life when we are showing up with perfectionism and with expectations is that it can set us up for an element of like waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly. Because if you think about it, if you have this cycle where you set really high expectations, so initially you're like, the shoe isn't going to drop. This is all going to work out exactly like this. This is what I know is going to happen or what I hope is going to happen. Then automatically because the bar is so high like the shoe is dropping because it's like ooh, this wasn't what I wanted this wasn't what I exactly expected and then because of that it's like all right well nothing ever works out how I thought it will so now I'm going to get stuck in this cycle of thinking that no matter what happens the shoe is going to drop and the challenging part about this is seeing our role in the cycle of waiting for the other shoe to drop, like realizing that we kind of put ourselves in that situation indirectly. And I'm not saying that like there's never been situations out of your control where you weren't disappointed or something bad didn't happen. I'm not saying that. But a lot of it eventually does become something that we contribute to. And realizing this can be really important. And then last way that perfectionism and expectations can affect how we're showing up in our relationship is that no surprise, we're less present. So we're less open to what could happen or what could work out. We're less open to that magic I spoke about earlier, which is like getting surprised and delighted by what could happen because we are really just expecting things to go in this exact way. So as you listen to me sharing these negative unintended consequences of perfectionism, expectations, and perfect moment syndrome in your relationship, just think about if you resonate with some of these consequences. Please don't think about it from a place of shame and judgment of like, oh, like I suck. I can't believe this is part of my life. But just notice it. Like think about like, hmm, I wonder what are some of the ways that this has infiltrated my relationship and changed the perspective of my relationship? Um, just like starting to notice that is really important. Um, and this doesn't mean that, again, we're never going to expect anything, but just noting that if we resonate with perfectionism perfect moment syndrome and expectation setting that are really high, then it may be time to explore some new possibilities. And that's what we're going to do in next week's episode. I'm going to share how to respond to perfect moment syndrome and perfectionism and high expectations in different ways. I really wanted to start this episode off with exploring kind of like what these things are and how they can affect our relationship so you can start being more mindful of it. And then next week, we're going to explore more of the how to respond. So to recap some key things we covered today, striving to be perfect, 
in our life or in our relationships can be a losing battle because it's often more about trying to be perfect and perceived as perfect than actually improving something. Perfectionism and perfect moment syndrome can really affect us when we expect certain events or experiences to look and feel a certain way. Our expectations can directly influence how happy or unhappy we may feel in a given situation. And then all of these things, as we covered, not only can affect our relationships, but also our life. So here's what I want you to do before next week's episode. So as I shared, I'm going to go over more of the how to respond to this in next week's episode. But between now and then, what I want you to do is simply notice the ways that perfectionism, perfect moment syndrome, or high expectations are showing up in your life. Just from a place of curiosity, simply noticing it, not adding any sort of like negativity around it, just saying, ah, I see where that crept in. I see how that happened just there. Really just starting to be mindful and build awareness. And as you will see next week, this awareness is one of the first steps to creating any sort of change or growth. So keep that in mind. Let me know how it goes. Send me a DM at you love and you learn if you're starting to notice these patterns. I'd love to hear from you. And if you would like support on your journey to reduce perfectionism and reduce how perfect moment syndrome or high expectations shows up in your relationship in life, I am now accepting applications for private coaching. And this is really such a core element of what we focus on in private coaching. Almost all of my clients have had some sort of unpacking to do around how their expectations on relationships are affecting their ability to enjoy their relationship. And these are people who are in loving relationships that they really want to work out, but their expectations are not allowing them to enjoy the amazing partner that they have in front of them. So in private coaching, it's a 12-week experience and you and I focus helping you move through areas where you're stuck, move through areas where you feel like I'm just blocked and I can't open up to my partner or I can't show love and give love and receive love in the ways that I want to. And I help you get the tools and the practices to move from anxious and analyzing to being more all in and moving forward in your relationship confidently. So no worries if perfectionism is just one of the many things you want to cover. This is going to just be a key piece of it. But we also cover other things such as like, how do I know we're compatible? Are we too different? How do I know this is not my intuition? I don't know how to, you know, not stop nitpicking my partner. I don't know how to show up from a place of gratitude. Questions like that. We really cover it all. And this is a unique personalized experience for you and the challenges you're going through specifically. So I just finished with a recent private coaching client who shared that she felt like this experience delivered in more ways than she could have imagined. And she actually hit all four of the goals that she set for herself in the beginning of the program. So she came in wanting to shift her view of what a happy and fulfilling relationship is and what it feels like. She wanted to become more confident in herself to navigate moments of anxiety. I think we all can say that that's something we would want to do. She wanted to not be constantly worrying about making decisions out of fear in her relationship. And she wanted to accept the love that she found and cultivated and stop trying to push it away. And I'm so proud that at the end of the time together, she literally was like, all of these things have happened. All four of these things that I set out for myself have happened. It doesn't mean that she's anxiety free, but she's able to now move forward in her relationship from a much more grounded and confident place. And that is just so huge. So if you want to go from constantly like, 
being in this state of like disappointment and feeling like your relationship is not measuring up to actually appreciating and celebrating the amazing partner and relationship you have, then learn more in the link in the show notes and check it out to share more information about private coaching as well as the link to apply. So it's all one link. If you want more details, check out the show notes. And thank you so much for being here. I really enjoy talking about this theme. It's been something that's so important in my life and the life of my clients. And be sure to tune in for part two next week where I share more about how to actually navigate perfectionism and perfect moment syndrome in your relationship. All right. See you in the next episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.